Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Uh, Good to be here with you this morning. Uh, Man, it's an honor, honor, honor to be here. You have a great pastor, Pastor uh, Mitch and Brandy. They're sweet kids, and um, he is a great preacher. He's talking about preaching. What a great, great preacher. And um, I'm a little intimidated because he has a hanky up here, and I'm not used to preaching that hard, all right? Come on. Well, come on. I went and had breakfast at Mary's Tacos this morning, and um, yeah. I found out that that's the biggest amen of the morning when I say that. So every time I come here, I'm like, yeah, Mary's Tacos. So many people work there. I couldn't believe how many people are crammed in that kitchen uh, making tacos. It was good. Um, I want to continue this sermon series that you guys have going, Patterns. Patterns. And um, I want to talk to you today about healing patterns. Um, I was watching his message from last week, Pastor Mitch, and saw that um, one of the concepts he was bringing out was that you don't find yourself in a dark place, in a dark hole, uh, because of one thing that you did, but it's patterns in your life that put you where you are. Um, and so I want to I talk to you today about a healing pattern, because in order to get to where you want to go, to get you know, out of that place of brokenness, or diagnosis, or difficulty, or whatever you're facing. Um, You know, there may be people in the room right now, or watching online right now, that you're really going through a tough spot, and you need to find healing. I'm here to tell you that God has a place of healing for you. It's going to come through a healing pattern, a healing pattern, doing something that is centered around Jesus. There's not, a, there's not a thing that you do. There's not a secret sauce. There's not a magic wand. There's not a silver bullet for this. But Scripture says we do have a high priest. Uh, Hebrews 8 and 1. We do have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord, not by human hands. Scripture goes on to say in verse 5 of earthly or Jewish priests that they serve in a system. Somebody say system. System of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, and I know you guys have talked about that in this series, the tabernacle, the, the temple, and the systematic structure and pattern, God gave him this warning Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern that I have shown you here on the mountain. So the Old Testament's very intricate, detailed cubits and all that kind of stuff. And when we're when we're going through Bible reading in our church and we're talking about reading the Bible through and all that, some people groan about reading of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy because it's like this cubit by that and all these lines and numbers. And I just want to tell everybody, hey, be thankful. That you serve a God that cares about details. Be thankful that you have a manuscript that's the most historically accurate and 
and uh, amazingly preserved historical document. That's what we're basing all this on. Be thankful about that. That God is a detailed God and he's um, very interested in these patterns that he's laid out because they matter. He doesn't do that because he's a bad God or a mean God or just wants to see us march around doing things. There's actually a method to the pattern. But the scripture is telling us that now there is a new person, Jesus, that is fulfilling so many of these things in the Old Testament. Verse 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one. I love that part. He is how many? The one. He's the one. He is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So just to kind of set the tone here today, the the most important thing I want you to take away from this is that your healing pattern is going to be centered around and established on the person Jesus Christ. That there's no other secret philosophy or you know something you're going to watch on the news or anything like that. No, we're just I'm thankful to be in a place and in a in a house and a family Y'all believe the same thing we do. This is about Jesus. That, that, that the process doesn't start with Jesus and then you move on to something else or you don't do stuff and then end with Jesus, but it's, it's centered. Like everything we're going to be talking about today, it's all revolving around and it's standing on the foundation of Jesus. It's interesting how sometimes we're like, what, what's, the, what's that secret scripture in the Bible? You know, what's that thing that I haven't heard about yet? It's just Jesus. Jesus is enough, right? Jesus is, this is what we all are sent around. And here's amazing, there's some amazing pattern scripture in Hebrews about Jesus. Hebrews 13a says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How about that pattern? He's the same. Jesus is awesome. He's all powerful. He's good enough. He's He's done everything that we need to be saved already. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. That's the power of Jesus and that, that he's available to us. And it's, it's just awesome. It's awesome to be um, aware of and be cognizant of the power and the, the amazing presence of God. I just really want to talk to you about healing patterns because we need them we all need them there's a time if you're a human being there's going to be a time in your life if you haven't hit it yet you're going to find yourself in a place where you need to come out you need to come out of that place and how do you come out of that place it's going to be a healing pattern that's centered around the, the miraculous work of jesus christ in 2001, my wife was pregnant, our first child. We'd been married for two and a half years. We were excited, you know, your first baby. Everything's like, ah, what's it going to look like? What's it going to go to college? What's it going to do? Da, da, da. You know, all that kind of stuff. We were so excited. We lived in New Mexico, and my wife was like, we're going home. We're going to go home to uh, Austin. And so we moved back to Austin, and she was big and pregnant, and she is... She's a true Austinite. She's granola. I don't know if you know what that means, but like all natural, no medicine, rub some essential oils on it, come on, and just keep on going. So that meant we're going to have the baby at home, natural birth. 
I was nervous about that. I was like, no way. That's weird. I don't, I'm not sure about that. She convinced me over time. So I was like, okay, we're going to do it. So we, we're three quarters of the way into this pregnancy, 30 weeks. And I just felt like, you know what? We need to go get a sonogram just to make sure everything's okay. So we were poor. So we scheduled a free sonogram at the community college. We go down to Austin Community College. She's laying there. The students are rubbing her belly with the thing and looking in the screen. I'd never seen one before. I had no idea what I was looking at. But it was taking forever. And we're just like, wow, what's going on here? And finally, 45 minutes in, a, a supervising nurse comes in and says, hey, we're not seeing something that we should see. We're going to send you to a specialist. You need to go today. So we, um, we went over to another doctor across town. He's like the best neonatal uh, obstetrician in town. And we're thinking, you know what? Why did we go to that community college? They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. We'll go to this doctor. He'll say everything's fine. We'll go on about our way, right? Yeah, I'm sure you can kind of sense where I'm headed here. Uh, we go to his office, second sonogram of the day. This guy's very mature. Sonographer was great, very polite. The system was a lot clearer, more technology. Then the doctor walks in. He looks at it. His face changes and says, we need to go have a talk in my office. So we make the long walk down the hall, kind of like going to the principal's office, into the back corner of the room, of the building, into his, into his office. And he looks across the desks, and he says, the thing that the, that the community uh, college could not see was your daughter's brain. And when you look at her skull, um, you should see at 30 weeks all kind of gray material in their matter and squiggly lines and all that. We can see nothing but fluid right now. If you look very closely and you showed us the picture, if you look very closely, there's a thin line of tissue at the very edge of the, of the skull. That's her brain. It's being pushed by all of this fluid. And uh, she's most likely going to be born deaf and blind and not have any uh, function and uh, he just went down the list and, and while he was talking it was like in the movies you know when when someone's listening and then all of a sudden the voices kind of starts fading out and then and then that's what it was like I was sitting there and it was like his voice just kind of started going away and I was like numb and and catching my breath I literally pinched myself I was like in my dream can we just go back let's try it again surely you messed made a mistake let's try and um, he takes a piece of paper and scribbles out a few options. And I actually still have that piece of paper. I want to show you the, the image on the screen. You'll see the first one there was consider termination. Um, at 30 weeks in Texas at that point, you couldn't have an abortion. And so he recommended that we go to Kansas for an abortion. And, um, or we could go to 38 weeks and have a, a C-section delivery. And um, we decided, you know what, we're going to get to know this doctor better. We're not going to uh, uh, abort. So, man, I was raised in that same kind of weird Pentecostal that you were raised in. And so, man, we hit it and started praying and fasting. And every week we would pray and fast. And we had a scheduled sonogram every week, a pattern of sonograms. It was a pattern of negativity because every time we would go back, the doctor would say, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And... Um, this is not supposed to be happening. You know, I'm a children's pastor at a church and we've done everything right. And my wife ate nothing wrong. Like we didn't even paint the rooms. I mean, like we were trying, we were doing everything we we're supposed to do. And 
Um, and, and why is this, you know, we, we never got to a serious area of like really getting mad at God or anything like that. But we're just like, this shouldn't be happening. Like we're, we're, we're following the pattern we're supposed to be doing and it's not working. And so we're in this bad spot. And every time we went into the doctor's office, he would say it's getting worse. And so then um, and he said it's time for the C-section. And so we're like, OK, well, this is going to be it. This is going to be the time where God shows up. This is going to be the time where he proves himself. And everybody's like, oh, you know, the birth happens and they raise the baby up and the angels are, you know, the choir and all that kind of stuff. We just thought that's it was just going to be the next the next time, the next time, the next time. And this pattern was just really brutal for us. And um, the day of the birth gets there, and it's such a dichotomy. It's such a weird day because, on one hand, birth is an absolute miracle. This was the first time I'd ever been in a, in a birth, and to see a human coming out of another human is absolutely mind-blowing. It, it's amazing. I've been to six births now, and uh, three of my wife's uh, babies, my babies and her babies, uh, three of those. And then I, I've been in three of my sister's babies, uh, births. For some reason, she asked me to be the videographer at her births. And I haven't gone back to see those, those VHS tapes, but I'm sure he, she should have picked someone else because they're like, I'm not looking. I am not. I'm like, am I in the right direction? <laughs> Am I, am I aimed right? So anyway, I was there in the room. After the fact, everything was covered up. Wow, look at the baby. And so birth is amazing. That's how it was that first birth. I saw the doctor pick my daughter. We named her Kennedy. We, she, was picked, she picked up Kennedy, and it was just like, ah. Oh. And then it was like, ah, oh. because we could tell her head was so large and not normal, and our hearts sank. They immediately took her to the NICU, and she, they began running tests and MRIs and all that kind of stuff. They took my wife to a room to recover for a few days from a C-section. And um, after that first MRI, they realized that the condition was actually worse than they thought. Not only was there fluid on the brain, but they determined that the brain itself did not form correctly. So even if they drained the fluid off, the brain was not normal, very deformed, misshapen. They didn't know what parts were there, what parts were not there. So they gave us about six months that she was probably going to live. And they literally said, take her home and enjoy her while you can. Uh, that was the brain surgeon that said that. Then I was standing at her her bedside. I think we have a picture of that too. Yeah, you can see um, her, her little Kennedy. She's a couple days old here. I was standing at her bedside and I looked down at the foot of the bed. There was a clipboard. This is before there was computers at every bedside. This is a clipboard. Um, this is in 2001. I was looking at the doctor's notes that they had handwritten for the next shift to see. And I was reading and as I read there, I think we have the actual digital copy here. Look at this last sentence. The parents understand that there's no chance of their doctor having a meaningful life. And uh, when I read it, it wasn't typed out like this. It was handwritten. And um, I was like, there's, 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 did he really say that? In fact, and and I, never, I never said that. The parents understand. There's no, like, I was so upset. I wanted to go lay hands on this doctor. Not in a Pentecostal way, but in a Jason Bourne sort of. I was so upset. I was like... No, you, how, 
I was so angry, but, but I'm thankful of this. I'm honestly thankful of this moment because it set us on a pattern to pursue Jesus in my daughter's life and to really decide, is it, is it a doctor, is it a human that can determine meaning, or is it really determined by God? And if it's determined by God, what does that mean? What does that look like? A few days after that time that I saw that handwritten note, I went back to my wife's room. This was her last day in recovery. And I got into this place spiritually where I thought it was really like this big moment. And it was. Because I said, babe, I'm praying two prayers. Prayer number one is that God will heal our daughter completely. Uh, that's that's prayer A. Prayer B is if he chooses not to, that he'll just take her and that she'll pass and that she'll be dancing on streets of gold. She'll be with Jesus. So I was like, plan A, plan B. And that, that was a, I mean, to accept death for your child, since that is a big spot um, to be. And I was just really believing that. And um, I'm here to tell you today that God did not answer either one of those prayers. And in November, my daughter celebrated her 20th birthday. That's her right there. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? So she didn't die, and she wasn't healed. She's been living 20 years in a state where she takes 24-hour care. She can't use any of their limbs. She can't speak. Um, she's emotional. She's, you can see on that picture, she's very happy. And she has never faked a smile or a laugh in her life. She, she can't. And that's what some of the, there's so many things I want to tell you about her. Um, I wrote a book. It's in the foyer. You can get it if you want. I talk a lot about it. But um, one of the secrets, I'll let you in on this right now. You see my wife's hand that's behind her. Um, we found a secret way to make her laugh during family photos. Her hand is holding an iPhone playing rap music. That's what makes my daughter laugh. She's actually laughing to something probably profane. I'm not sure, but she loves the beat. It was so funny one time we met. We had a family connection with Toby Mac, and when she was a little girl, she loved Toby Mac because of the beats, this, this great beats of Toby Mac. And we got to meet him one time, and he, like, leaned over, and he's like, what's her favorite song? And he started singing for her, and she's just like, she wanted the beat. I was like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Mac. Uh, she really does like you, but she's waiting for the beat to drop. So anyway. Uh, how do we make it, how do we make it as a family for 20 years? It's a healing pattern. I just want to say that. It's a healing pattern that is centered around Jesus Christ. It's a healing pattern. I'm, I'm not saying like, how did we make it 20 years? No, we love our life. We have a great marriage. We love, we have, we have uh, 16 and 18-year-old boys in that picture. They're more difficult to raise right now than our 20-year-old our disabled daughter. Okay. 
how, how, it's a beautiful family, like great church. You were talking about our church, like people ask me where I went to seminary and I just point to my daughter. This, she has taught us the healing pattern and how to be centered around Jesus. I want to talk, I want to talk to you just for the next 11 minutes and 57 seconds about one small thing that I think is maybe the most important. And that is this, that your healing pattern begins with rest. Your healing pattern begins with rest. God created the world, and I'm sure y'all know this, in Genesis, second chapter, what happened on the seventh day? God rested, right? Genesis 2 and 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested. Somebody say rest. Rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work. There was a holy day where he rested. So that was how it all began. God finished the week with holy rest. But when Jesus came, he flipped it. Because of our trust in Jesus, we're now saved not by our work that we do all six days, and then we Rest and thank God we made it to the end. Jesus, this is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now everything is flipped. Now we rest in him first, and we're fully grounded in who we are in him first. We rest. Our healing pattern is going to start when we rest in him. We rest in our identity with him. And I just want to say there's two components of this. And the first is carving out in your week and saying, if there's anything my family is going to do this week, it is put God first. And we're going to rest and we're going to worship before we do anything else this week. So we're going to write it on our calendar. We're going to put an alarm on our phone on Saturday afternoon, whatever it takes. And I know you think I'm preaching to the crowd today because you're here. You're worshiping. Yay, you, you're here. But I guess my point to you that are here is that don't let this just be a coincidence. Don't let this just be an accident. Like, nothing else is happening, so we're going to City Hills today. We woke up. No, make it intentional. We are going to put God first And we are going to be there. We're going to worship Jesus Christ together. We're going to hear his word taught. We're going to connect with others. And so I want you to make it a priority. Put it on your, put it on on whatever it takes, your mirror, whatever it is, to get here on Sunday every week. Every week. Your healing pattern begins with Rest. When, we, when, we, when my daughter was born in the hospital that day, there was 50 people in the waiting room. And we didn't ask for one of them to be there. And there was no such thing as social media back then. So it was not like, hey, the birth's happening, posting. No. 50 people were there because for years we had been investing in relationships every Sunday. And we didn't even have to tell them. They knew It was happening. They had been praying. They were invested because there was something that had been happening and happening 
and happening. It was a healing pattern that actually had begun many years before we even realized it, that we had been investing in it. So I want to encourage you to do that. Corporate worship, getting together with other people. And I just want to say uh, to everybody that's online today, we love you. And we're so thankful that you're able to join us. Technology is awesome. But getting here in person is the best. Woohoo, online people. It's great if you're sick, if you're out of town, if you're working, you're on vacation, whatever. Catch it online. Stay connected. But when you're in town, get in the room. Because there's nothing like hearing the person beside you singing. We're all singing together. We're all quoting scripture together. We're all in this together. We're serving together. We're listening. We're learning. We're worshiping. We're being pacted by the spirit of God together. We're seeing each other. We're shaking hands and now we're hugging necks. And The pandemic's over. Did y'all hear that? I get to leave, and, and, and you may never see me again. So I'm just going to say things today. <laughs> oh, man. Remember that guy that came and talked about the pandemic? Corporate worship is awesome. This is what we call corporate worship right here. It's awesome because it centers us around that truth of Jesus. We need that because all week you're being bombarded by the news, by social media, by friends, by coworkers, by family members, by neighbors, by the devil, by yourself. You're being bombarded by thoughts and information to you that's counter, that's anti-Christ. And it may not be some big spooky thing. It could be something very simple. But if it's counter the gospel, then we're being infected and, and contaminated by that. And we've got to be centered around that truth. That's what that whole resting is about. We're resting in Jesus. And the only way we can rest in Jesus is if we're aware and we're remembering that. We as human beings are professional forgetters. We really are. We forget everything. We forget what we're doing at the groceries, like what we're going to buy at the grocery store, right? We forget what we were going to get in the pantry. We forget, we forget our kids' names. I mean, right, we forget everything. The worst thing that we forget, though, is who we are. We forget that. We've got to be centered around this truth of who we are, and that happens when we get together. You need to hear the word of God preached. You need to be listening to that because it is where your healing pattern begins. In that truth. The second half of this, and this, this is where I want to end, is that your healing pattern begins with Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is the deeper meaning of rest, deeper meaning of that seventh day. And this is where I want you to think about Jesus flipping the script a little bit with this is that he wants you to begin from a posture of rest and the realization that he is your provider he is your protector that you don't have to do that on your own the American way it's ingrained in us to produce 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 Make more money, make a name for yourself, buy more things, prove yourself. I'm a self-made man. I'm an independent woman. Right? That is not the gospel. The gospel is first, Jesus did the work for me. 
I am his kid. He loves me. I'm resting in that. And he gives us Sabbath in order to test that. So the Sabbath is here to test, do you really trust God or not? And so if you really do, we're, we're going to take a day of the week and we're not going to do anything profitable, anything that makes progress, or anything that is producing. So nothing profitable, no pro. That was the essence of the Jewish Sabbath. Nothing profitable, no progress, nothing producing. That forces me to either trust in God or be really stressed out, right? It's, th- that's what happens on Sabbath is either, like either, either I'm going to really let go and trust God or I'm going to be really upset all day. That's Dad's Sabbath again. Stay away from him. <laughs> He's a bear today. Why? Because if you're not trusting God, you're constantly stressed about not doing enough. And, man, this is, this is me. I'm preaching to myself right now. Like, on Thursday night this week, our soundboard broke during our worship rehearsal. We have a brand-new production guy. First week on the job. Wasn't his fault. He just walked into this. Friday is my Sabbath. Sunday, today, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. What if it doesn't work? I'm not there to save the day. Robin, you saved the day. Is this about you? No, God. It's about you. That's what I thought. Okay, that's what's, that's what's happening on Sabbath, okay? Oh, okay. You got this. You're the pastor of this church. You're the, you're the father that we're all looking to. You're the one that's going to make it. So I'm not sure what situation is in your life. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a family situation. Uh, you know, maybe it's a financial issue, um, a career decision, whatever it is that you're struggling with, that you're needing to come out of, your healing pattern is going to begin with this rest and trust in Jesus. Robert Morris says it like this. He has a whole book on this, Robert Morris, great guy, great pastor. Taking a Sabbath shows the world that you trust God. I would say it shows yourself too. The other day I was talking to one of my pastor friends and he is celebrating his 20th um, uh, anniversary with his wife and they had just taken a cruise. He was so excited. He was talking all about, you know, the Lido deck and food and going on excursions and all these exciting things they had done on the cruise and he said, this is the first time that my wife and I have gone on a trip without our kids in 20 years. And that, like, I was like, what in the world are you thinking? You've got to get away. You need a break. Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Make it a priority. Carve it. And in fact, here's another thing that we do with my family. We carve out time with our boys, like, on Tuesday, my wife and I and our two boys are flying to Florida for a week on the beach. And we've arranged for people to take care of our daughter here. She's going to have a great time with grandparents and nurses and friends here. And we just understand and know that's important. It's costing a lot of money. But it's important for us to get away and do nothing and trust God and believe that he's able. So... 
would you stand with me? I want us to pray right now. And I want to pray with you um, that God is going to uh, do two things, really for two different groups of people. One is for those of you that are in a very difficult time. And um, maybe you're in that middle of that pit right now. And I just want to pray with you. I want you to know that you're not alone. That's what's beautiful about coming to church is that you're surrounded with people in this room. And I'll say this to you watching online, that you're surrounded by people uh, that love you, that want to help you, that want to walk with you, that want to pray with you, that want to support you with practical needs uh, in your life. And so I want to, I just want you to know that first and foremost, you're not alone, that you're surrounded by a group of people that care about you and love you. But now is a moment right now that we could just let go and just say, God, I give it to you. I humble myself. Would you join with me in this prayer right now, everybody that's ready? Just say, God, I surrender this to you right now. And you can be specific. You can call it out. You can, you can be descriptive to God right now. God, I give you my marriage. Lord, I give you my health. Lord, I give you my job. I give you my education, my career path, uh, the situation at home, the situation as a parent. <clears throat> situation as a child lord whatever whatever it is in your life lord we give it to you right now we hand it to you and we just trust you we trust you lord we rest in you that's the humility that is opening the door for your healing pattern I trust you, Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't have it all figured out and proven. But I trust you, God. I trust you. I want to open up this prayer to everybody, especially those of you that have never surrendered your heart to God at all. This is the day of salvation for you. Maybe you've been stirred in your heart to be in on this. Come on and join us in the prayer right now and just say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I surrender my heart to you right now. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Please take me as I am. I trust you, Jesus, with my life. Please heal me of my past. Please help me with my future. Please fill me with your spirit. Come on, let's say that to God right now. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me. My healing pattern is going to be me drinking from the, the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let me just say this one final thing for, before I hand this over to Pastor Mitch, and that is this. When I was standing there with my wife in that hospital room and I said, it's plan A or plan B is because because I, I, I knew that that was the only way God was going to manif manifest himself was if God was going to heal my daughter, take my daughter. But you know what the Bible says? No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can conceive what God has in plan and in store for those who love him and are called to his purpose. So I just want to leave you with that bit of encouragement that God has something for you in your life that you haven't even dreamed about it. You haven't even conceived that it would be a possibility.
But come on, let's let God do it. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.